Hello, and welcome to For the Record, in which we take one recently released album and have an in-depth conversation about it. We're now on BFF.FM, Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. after Rollover Easy, or you can subscribe to us in podcast form at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week, we're talking about Angel Olsen and her second full-length, Burn Your Fire for No Witness. Even though this album came out back in February, it seemed like a good time to talk about it because the label, Jag Jaguar, is going to be releasing a deluxe version that has extra tracks on it, and that comes out November 18th. And then Ms. Olsen just announced that she'll be coming to town to perform at the chapel on December 2nd. And it's also just a really great album, and I, you know, it seems to have fallen by the wayside in a lot of people's views. So, I th- And I, I think there's a lot to say about it. Definitely. Um, I'd also be remiss if I didn't point out that the reason I heard about Angel Olsen is that every year we go to the South by Southwest Music Conference in Austin, and because most up-and-coming new artists play a few sets there, I usually ask around to my friends beforehand and see if they have any new bands that they're excited about, who I should try and track down. And Angel Olsen was one of the folks my friend Chad, who you may know as CJM on Twitter, suggested. And she just happened to be playing the same night as EMA, who I love, and Ramesh Srivastava from Boxtrot, who I also love, at this big, awesome church that they set up as a music venue during South By. And it's a really great setting for vocalists because it has, you know, it's, everyone's really quiet and it's got this great reverby sound quality and it has the added benefit of being a place you can sit down, which when you're on your feet for... 18 hours a day seeing music for four days straight is a really nice draw. So anyway, she has such an intense and powerful vocal style as it is. And then seeing her in this big church hall that amplifies her voice and seeing and singing into this like she had an old timey radio mic that she brought um, special for herself. And it just left a really big, big impression on me. And it turned me into a fan right there. So it's convenient that the first track, To Burn Your Fire for No Witness, has kind of an echoey, faraway vocal with just her and her guitar. And it kind of gives you a little bit of the flavor of what it was like to see her in this big church in Austin. I quit my dreaming the moment that I found you. I started dancing just to be around you. Here's to thinking that it all meant so much more. I kept my mouth shut and opened up the door. I wanted nothing but for this to be. I love how it opens with this spare arrangement and with just her voice and the guitar. And then on the next song, she launches in with the full band. And so it's a nice kind of setting up the two type styles on the album. Yeah. I think what's interesting to me is that even within this one song, there's a pretty significant shift in acoustics and it's really dramatic, like right in the middle of a phrase almost that it suddenly goes from this more kind of old fashioned production that's very flat and then it opens up and it a little more becomes a little more echoey and a little more crisp, definitely more modern. And I think that is a nice way to prepare the listener for the fact that that's the way the entire album goes. Is it is this kind of balance between 
really an old fashioned style and off, especially her singing style. And then oftentimes the production and instrumentation just run completely in the opposite direction with that. And that sometimes at the same time. Yeah. I'd like to have a photo of how this song was recorded because you almost get the sense that she was, she was kind of like standing away from the mic in an empty room and it's just kind of echoey. And I, I think that added to the atmosphere that she was trying to create there. And, you know, I mean, I feel like, and we'll talk about this as we go on, but one of the central the themes of the album is just sort of being in her own head and these are the things that are taking place and being kind of lonely with her own thoughts. And like one of the lines from the song is, I am the only one now that she repeats. And you get that sense of like loneliness and isolation, just the way that the instrumentation is and the production is done on this first track. At least for me, in the context of this song, I am the only one now being in your own head is maybe an improvement over I think the first words in the song are I I forgot my dreams and when I met you and it's just this idea that romantic love just kind of destroying the self and that finding yourself that's an improvement and if you have to get away from that person or that relationship that that's an improvement that's progress yeah and I mean that that's also one of the central themes of the album is heartbreak and it's so difficult to avoid making heartbreak sound uh, trite and I think she succeeds she's just so earnest and open and she's just not very self-conscious and you know in a world where the most important thing is to play it cool she shows no interest in being jaded she's just kind of like opening herself up with her feelings so she kind of sneaks in with this quiet spare arrangement and then immediately picks up the pace with the full band and it's kind of a one-two punch of some very energetic songs there's forgiven forgotten or is it forgotten forgiven forgiven forgotten (laughs) which we won't play and then high five which for me is kind of the high point of the album references Elvis at the beginning with I feel so lonesome I could cry and then her vocal style is referencing Patsy Cline maybe um, but she still sounds very distinctly like herself for me this song I I think best exemplifies what I talked about that merger of the old sound and the new sound together in one song that her singing style is so traditional but then throughout the course of the song there's sort of these squeals and and a throbbing that I will not do an impression of but I think do, do the impression (laughs) but yeah i I think it's a it's a charming balance between those two elements that seem like they shouldn't work together but they work together also i i love the lyrics in this one um she her line all i ever need is someone out there who believes reminds me of one of my favorite lyrics from my favorite band the long winners that goes let her down easy please can't you see she believes 
it's it's just that Angel Olsen is a person who believes and maybe you have to be one of those people to kind of get what that means and I'm not explaining it very well but I think she does it well with this song it's just a sense of being kind of open-hearted and um, willing to set aside your rational disbelief in the face of a world that makes it so much easier to be cynical because it's a way that you choose to approach life. It's also, I like the the fact that this song is also about being lonely with somebody else who's also lonely and taking comfort in that because sometimes that's really enough. I, I appreciated that, especially that I think in this modern world, there's kind of a, a stereotype and a cliche of like, oh, you, you're feeling lonely, you're, uh, go, go have meaningless, some meaningless physical relationship. And that this has this kind of old fashioned invocation of a really platonic connection with someone. It's Mm -hmm. like, I'm not, we're not going to do anything physical. We're not going to touch, but Mm -hmm. I'm still going to give you my heart is I think an an old fashioned notion that's really appealing. And at the same time, there's that noise, there's that throbbing, there's squealing. And it suggests that she maybe, yeah, well, that's, (laughs) uh, well, we'll let the listeners decide who, which of us did the better impression. (laughs) But while that's ha- that's there, and I think that suggests that she has maybe not completely tamed her passions, be they anger or lust or maybe a little of both. And I think the tone of the song effectively really ratchets up the in- emotional intensity as it goes. And I like how she kind of just like keeps bringing the pitch up higher and higher and like the kind of passion in her voice. And, you know, it's something that she does in a lot of these songs where she just kind of like turns it up and turns it up and doesn't really release it. And um, I think that really draws the listener in. Yet, even while there's that emotional ratcheting, though, I think more than anything, this is a very earnest album, but I think this this sense of humor and the way that she delivers that high five, even just the way she says it, the context of it, that notion of, Hey, we're lonely. High five. And yeah. the t- that's, that's, that's crazy, but it's, it's very charming. And, and I, because I w- kind of wish there were more humor on, on the record mm-hmm. uh, because it is so intense, but it, it really it serves well here. And it's funny, like I've read a number of interviews with her over the past several months and she kind of people, she talks about how people kind of assume she's just like crying in her closet and is very morose, but she actually comes across as very funny and down to earth. And she talks about how she just, she's like inhabiting a character when she writes these songs and performs them. And it's like, you know, everybody feels this way sometimes and she's just trying to give voice to those feelings, but it's not like that's entirely who she is. And it's good to have a consistent point of view for the album, but it can be a little draining. Yeah. So we're up at this emotional high point, and then at the third track is where we are, and then she just comes in and kind of kills the momentum with this seven-minute song that's called White Fire. I walk back in the night alone Got caught up in my song Forgot where I Sleeping, none of the lights were on. I heard my mother thinking me right back into my birth. I laughed so loud inside myself, it all began to hurt. So Disappeared the lines as memories came flooding in the tears. 
This is clearly intended to be the centerpiece of the album, but it's just too long and it doesn't really make its point for me. Yeah, the centerpiece, it is the title track as a, after a fashion and that the the Burn Your Fire for No Witness is a lyric in this song. It's not the title of the song, but I think I actually didn't hate this as much as you did. Um, and I, I, I think I, don't I hate it. Okay, but you, 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 it's a momentum killer mm. that's seven minutes long. <laughs> and I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have the slow point in the album and it creates this very dreamlike mood that is kind of effective and... I'm definitely a fan of early blonde redhead and I feel like her voice where she's really kind of, it's this forced squeak and, and that I think suits that dreamlike mood and is a sound that I think she pulls off really well here. Cause you tried to demonstrate it. No. Okay. <laughs> um, it's just that it comes right as the album starts to build momentum and then just kills it. And you know, it's possible that that's kind of the intent. I, I mean, I, I was thinking about it a little bit more and you know it's possible that if it's an intentional way to say okay i gave you these you know somewhat poppy upbeat tunes that are supposed to sell records and i got you to pay attention and now i'm going to stop you in your tracks and make you listen to what i'm really trying to say here but i i still don't really understand what she's trying to say and i still don't really understand what burn your fire for no witness means i think it to me it feeds into that same notion of finding your own power within you and it's not about someone else seeing it and it's about going out and having your time in the wilderness and to me this song is it's kind of about that wallowing and sometimes you got to get deep into yourself and kind of wallow in the darkness. And yeah, it's not about what someone else is seeing or experiencing. It's what you're feeling and where you're finding that and what you're building up or destroying in yourself. So I I think there's more, there's, there's stuff here, but it is an undisciplined. It is just awfully long. And especially since I think there are other songs on the album. I, I think that the, there's these songs where it's her working in tandem with the band and it's, these modern sounds with the traditional vocals. And then there's other songs where her voice was, which is an exceptional voice, but she almost just thinks that's enough and it's not quite enough. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so, well, we come out of that and then we go into a song where she does employ the whole band again. And um, that's called high and wild.
love how the tone in this song is so accusatory and the way she just sort of ratchets up the anger, I think mirrors the way that women tend to express anger in relationships where you just, or I mean, a lot of things where you just kind of simmer and seethe for a while and then you start to get annoyed and resentful and then really get pissed off. And that's also kind of echoed by the instrumentation because you have this piano that just kind of simmers in the background. And then at the end of the song, it just lets loose into this big, like, impassioned solo. And that ends the track. Yeah, I like that the, how much the song takes its time, that it doesn't just get directly to the anger, that there's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, you know, remembering the good times, like, why can't we make this work? And, and I think some really alarming imagery that I really had an effect on me just this notion of when she's remembering the good times and the and having passionate love for someone it's not sweetness and light it's let our bodies be riven it's just this almost violent kind of experience and that's the good part and so that that <laughs> and that's that's how you get into this and and it, but and then it builds from there into just Ooh. Yeah, and, it, and she really does draw it out. It doesn't get to what's kind of the emotional release point of the song for a couple of minutes. Like, I actually was looking at the time code, and it's like three minutes in, which is almost the end of the song, and then it just bursts into this piano solo. There is also, actually, I think, some pretty dang solid guitar work there as well, that the piano and the guitar kind of slam together, and it's just letting that anger loose. Yeah, and I, I really like the lyrics in this track, too. There's the, um, the one that I've is like my favorite lyric in the song is I'm neither innocent or wise. When you look me in the eyes, you might as well be blind because you don't see me anymore. Those lyrics are solid. And yet I just keep getting taken out of them by the using the, the or instead of nor, which is just <laughs> this pet peeve because I understand using, you know, using I or me in the wrong place because of rhyme or using less or fewer because of the meter, but there's just no excuse here. And it, and I, that's my own hang up, but it just is one of those things like it would have been so easy to be correct and not distract people. Well, and what's funny is I didn't notice it at first. I wrote when I was writing them down, I wrote it down as I'm neither innocent nor wise. And then it wasn't until I went and listened to it again. It's like, oh, she actually does say or. Yeah, well, I'll be the, I guess, the grammar nerd and other people can just enjoy the song because it is that really (laughs) strong expression of anger. Yeah. So she takes out, she, she takes all this cathartic anger. And then in the next track, she sort of zooms out and takes a much more philosophical, philosophical view of making a better life in a way that's thoughtful and intentional and not just reactive, which is more what High and Wild is. And this song is called Lights Out. If you don't feel good about it, then turn around. If you really mean it, baby, stand your ground. great lyric that is um just when you thought you would turn all your lights out it shines some days all you need is one good thought strong in your mind and that's the lyric that really stands out for me 
among the others on this whole album because this song kind of represents the central theme of the album which is that you have to be comfortable in the life that you've chosen and inside your own thoughts and I read an interview where she said you get to a certain age and it really occurs to you my mother and my father will not always be here my spouse or my girlfriend or boyfriend are here right now but someday they won't be and you realize that you need to like yourself and I think that really comes through in this song and that's not a particularly original idea and I'm and I'm not sure the way she expresses it is even that original, but it's charming and comforting and it doesn't come across as preachy or condescending. And, you know, she's 27 years old and I feel like this song and the wisdom that she's trying to share in it really accurately reflects the feelings that I had when I was her age and kind of shares the wisdom that I would have liked to have heard, which is, you know, most importantly that your feelings matter. And, you know, I was very much raised in a culture where, you just pretended that everything was fine and just think positive thoughts and like don't give voice to your alarm bells that are ringing about a certain situation or you it's not okay to be depressed and it's not okay to feel lonely. And so I think that that's a message. So her message is that like the way you feel is important and it is okay to feel sad and that's part of who you are. And so you have to listen to the way you feel and find an either either find a way to address it or get comfortable with it. So I, I think she expresses that message well in this song. And I, I really like it. Yeah, she's finding some wisdom. And I, and I like, you know, I, I definitely enjoyed the song. I, at the same time, you know, I think my fondness on this album is for maybe the more, the more angry songs, the more aggressive songs. And I'm really glad that she's, you know, she's finding some enlightenment and some wisdom here, but it's not... She's not quite ready to let go of that rage and in the next song revisits that rage, but perhaps maybe finds a way to transmute that into something positive. And that's the song Stars. song has this kind of yin yang sort of structure to it that you know whereas the i think where we had that earlier rage song high and wild where she spent some time remembering why she was in a relationship and here it just seems to be she's just pulling the escape the rip cord immediately and just getting out of there and then just taking this rage that builds and becomes so apocalyptic and i just love the imagery and it's the music is very sweet as she's singing about this just this scream that just eats destroys everything just destroys the earth destroys all the animals destroys the universe and, and it's so over the top but so nicely balanced with this really soaring beautiful melody and then kind of resets and comes at it from another angle where she actually tries to salvage the relationship and 
take that rage and build, you know, rebuild her life and not destroy the world. Yeah, I think there's a an, a lyric in the earlier part of the song that's like, I want to scream the stars out of the sky. And then later in the song, it changes to, I want to scream the stars into the sky. Yeah, exactly. But there's not really a sense of why she's trying to put it back together. And it's just, it's, there's this kind of optimism that, you know, the, the lyrics now kind of fit the music, but I think the way the album has kind of come along and the fact that the lyrics are about building, but it's still building with rage. And so it's, there's a certain sense that this doesn't quite work. And I like that kind of ironic layering (laughs) that it's, Oh yeah, no. Oh, things are gonna blow up. Oh, I want to build the world, but I'm I'm screaming to rebuild things, and that I I just I like that kind of off way that this song ends. So then, from that intense like emotional point, then after that we go to a kind of a problem problematic point in the album, which is um, this series of three songs that kind of caused me to lose interest in. The album's only 44 minutes long, which I was surprised when I looked at it because I feel like it's too long. And in particular, these three songs really come across as really samey to me. And I find myself like when I'm listening to it, if I'm out walking or whatever, my mind will just start to wander and I'll think about like just kind of listening to something else. And I really wish that she had just like picked one of these songs and then ditched the other two. The the tempo is very consistent and they all just lean too much on her admittedly exceptional voice. But yeah, so we get Iota, Dance Slow Decades and Enemy. We're just going to play a bit of one of them so you get the feel. So this is Enemy. I need advice, it's true But I won't hear it from you I don't remember when you last cared for The things I do I wish I could believe apply all the sides. So anyway, just imagine that for about three songs in a row. Yeah, pretty boring. Um, but the thing is that if you stick it out, you get to a really beautiful song at the end of the album, which is Windows. Yeah, and I hate to be a downer, but you know, I thought it was beautiful, but so many of the songs, even the ones I didn't particularly like, are so singular with her voice and style. And I felt like this last song was sort of the most generic and sort of least distinctive that I could hear other artists singing this. Well, I really love the way that her vocal tone shifts around from being kind of echoey and ghostly to then really close up to the mic and crisp and direct. And um, there's a part where she says, why can't you see? Are you blind? Are you dead? Are you alone? Won't you open a window sometime? What's so wrong with the light? And that just does a really great job for me of summing up the central theme of the album, which is ultimately that this is a set of songs about heartbreak and miscommunication and most importantly, the lifelong uphill battle of trying not to become bitter and jaded, but to instead keep turning toward the light. And that's what she does in this song. And, you know, she looks to the light and she wants to open a window. So we'll go out with that. This is Windows. And thanks for joining us. Why can't you see? 
What's so wrong?